And welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. In episode 8, Matt had the pleasure of speaking with Michael Kill of the two-piece rap group The Thought Criminals. That other piece is here today, and he goes by the name of Sulphur. Like Michael Kill, Sulphur also has a budding solo career. Keeping the tradition of nerdcore alive, he touts his new EP, Enter the 36th Chamber, a work that entirely concerns the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He also discusses his love of gaming and forecasts a full-length release due to come out later this year. So now, here we present Matt Storm and Sulphur. This is Sulphur. This is Matt. This is Matt. How are you, Sulphur? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing really well. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. I appreciate it, bud. Uh, it's no problem, man. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. It's an honor to have the other half of the Thought Criminals on my podcast. We had Mr. McKill on earlier. Um, I was stoked about the new EP you guys put back, put out a few months back. Thanks. Um, I'm uh, rather stoked about it as well. Are you guys? Uh, do you guys have a full length for the Thought Criminals in the works? In the works, for sure, for sure. Um, Kill is slammed busy right now, so we uh, we're working on it. We actually, I had the Thought Criminals practice today, and so I was uh, at the Kill compound, the House of Crack, as he likes to call it, and uh, we were running over some things for a, a set of a, a party called the Ninja Party, the milestone throws every year. Nice. Um, yeah, but uh, as far as actually laying the tracks down and everything, we we worked a little bit. Uh, but he is mainly focusing on some other projects he has right now, um, some of which I'm not sure if I should talk about. Um, but they involve people that might be known as Adam Warrock <laughs> and uh, might be releasing this month, I think. So Excellent. Yes, I've been uh, actually in chats with Adam to have him on as well. And he mentioned that he's working on a new thing to put out soon. So that's always exciting. Um, speaking of ninjas, since you brought it up, you have a brand new uh record out a ninja turtles themed hip-hop record which i'm very excited about to talk about um so obviously you're a ninja turtles fan comic books i know you've mentioned layered before and obviously the cartoon since you did a song with one of my favorites tribe one about bebop and rocksteady oh yeah oh yeah so how did how did the idea come about for this this new record? Were you always wanting to do something about Ninja Turtles, or is it just something that kind of came to you? Actually, it was something that I had wanted to do for a really long time, and it's an idea I kind of had in the back of my brain. Um, kind of ever since I had done Odin's Son uh, about roughly a year earlier, and uh, I had kind of done that play on um, taking instrumentals totally from a, a solitary work from a different, you know, rap uh, group or uh, persona, in that case was Nas, and uh, creating something different with it, uh, kind of with a, a humorous spin maybe on the title or, or the just the, you know, nuts and bolts of the album itself. So um, when I was finishing up Odinson, I had the idea then. Um, and the reason I never launched into it is I had to wait for the, the right moment. Um, because it was, it was almost like some people look at like, for instance, Michael Kill's 
one of his favorite groups is the Beatles, and you know he started to work over some things that sampled the Beatles once. And I think it was a little bit of not a strain for him, but it's you know you're working over one of your favorite groups, and so it's uh, not intimidating exactly, but you have to make sure it's done right. And that's kind of how it was for me with Enter the Thirty Sixth Chamber, uh, where I'm taking one of my favorite uh, comic books and my favorite comic book, absolutely, and uh, you know putting it over some of my favorite instrumentals or, you know, one of my favorite albums and honestly a lot of hip hop is favorite, you know, uh, albums and the Wu-Tang releases. So there was a little bit where it was hard to approach, you know, and I just had to wait for that right moment. And honestly, most of my parts for that album, I wrote within three or four days in a quick burst. It wow. just hit me and I was ready and I, I put pretty much most of it down right for uh, me and Michael went on a little short tour uh, last month in December, and uh, I was really lucky to get Tribe on it. He originally was not supposed to be on it, and I had to beg him at a show <laughs> and say, "Look, man, you're rock steady. Like you, you had the voice. <laughs> you're perfect for it." And he came through and murdered it. Just absolutely murdered it. So, um, well, that really happy my, about it. That 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 answers my follow up question because we we're going to ask how you and Tribe hooked up for that song, but you just explained by groveling and you know, hey, yeah. it works. So and the track is great. The fun, the funny thing oh, about yeah. you saying the funny thing about you saying that he sounds just like uh, Rocksteady um, is when I was listening to that song, listening to the lyrics, and listening to just the, the presentation of you as Bebop and him as Rocksteady. Both of you, your voices are just so close to those characters from the cartoon. I'm like, damn, it's like I'm watching the cartoon. This is awesome. Oh um, yeah, I, I oh man, I love it so much. I I wish you didn't start off on Ninja Turtles because that's probably all this interview will be about. Let's <laughs> That's <laughs> um, funny. That's like when I was yeah. I, I interviewed Christy B a few a few about a month ago, and she brought up Scott Pilgrim, and then like we had a half hour divergence on Scott Pilgrim, and it just nice. couldn't rein it back nice. in. Um, honestly, actually, one of my favorite tracks from one of your earlier works is with um, Tribe One as well, Welcome to the Kingdom, where you both play a role from. Super Mario Brothers, and actually sample quotes from one of my favorite yeah. cartoons from my childhood. Of course. The Super Show. you got to love that. Um, with oh, Captain so. Lou Albano and that other guy. Uh, and the other. <laughs> Poor other guy. Nobody ever remembers that guy's name. Nope. I wish I did so I could prove you wrong, but I don't. You don't. Exactly. You're proving my point. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, what I thought was really cool about the theme record that you've done, like uh, Odin's Son and and End of the Thirty Six Chamber, is you use quotes, but not in a way to really throw off the flow of the record. It really kind of ties a narrative together, which is important when you're creating a themed work. And totally. and what I really liked about Odin's Son, besides the fact that Thor Thorverson, who I've talked about before with Mister Kill about his record artwork, did. Mm-hmm. The Thor Records artwork is like meta on so many levels. Oh yeah, I loved it. But um, <laughs> but what I like is you take really powerful quotes from that movie, which is a fantastic movie, and use it to level and make sure and like really add an impact to those songs beyond just the music and the lyrics. You're giving a kind of theatricality to it too, which is really cool. Oh, thank you, thank you, absolutely. You know, uh, in in. I'm going to kind of give myself away here. I, I shouldn't, I suppose. I'm a bad magician. Uh, but somebody made a comment uh, when I posted them in the 36th chamber on Reddit. And uh, they were talking about how Wu uses a lot of Kung Fu samples for movies between their songs. And they said, I really like how this guy uses, uh, you know, Ninja Turtle clips instead of 
kung fu samples like Wu would use. He's emulating that, and I was more doing what you know you you just laid out, uh, kind of a carryover from Odin's on and kind of going for that same, you know, kind of glue to hold everything together. And I really enjoyed that, um, and I like doing that. And uh, that's that's more what I was going for. But when I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, yes, yeah, totally what I was doing, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. back on Reddit. I'm glad you caught that. You're very perceptive. Um, I, I love when when other people make you sound smarter than you ever thought you would ever sound. You know, that's always right? fun when people point that out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you just got to take the compliment, of course. Just of course. <laughs> poker face it. And yes, yes, I meant to do that. I'm glad you noticed. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I really, yeah, I, I like doing that. Um, I like doing that maybe a little more than I should. I have, I'm really notorious for just talking all over intros, and I got to go back in and go, oh, I got to edit this out really quick. And uh, actually, my first serious face mistake, I didn't as much. And so when I went back listening to it recently, I'm like, man, I talk over every intro on this uh, on this mixtape here. So, um, but I really enjoy the movie clips, and I really enjoy how they uh, breathe a certain type of life into those, um, kind of glue it together a little bit. So I'm uh, looking forward with my next to do similar things, but on original content, not based off of Ninja Turtles or Thor, you know? Sure. Uh, yeah. That's that's definitely very cool. Um, what I also like about the new record is that the, the content of the songs. I mean, even though you're you're in some and a lot of the songs stepping into a character of one of the Ninja Turtles or one of the bad guys, you're you're still connecting to real life life stuff. Like when I saw you post on Twitter, because I follow you on Twitter, your uh, interaction with Andrew WK about using his name in one of your songs. And how psyched you were that he was psyched. And I, as a fan of both you and Andrew WK, I was like, this is amazing. Nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was cool. He took the uh, he took the time to write me an awesome in all caps back. And, uh, you know, that was, I like Andrew WK. I mean, he is basically like Yoda if Yoda drank a ton of PBRs. You know, he's a right. wise person. I really love reading his uh is it the village voice that he, he writes a column in? Uh, yes. I know it starts with village. Yeah. I think uh, it's the village voice. Yeah. I think it is. It's, it's inspiring. It, it is nothing less than inspiring. I, I read it every time I see one posted. I love that dude. Um, so yeah, that, that made me feel good. And, uh, I like shouting him out. I, I couldn't write a song about any kind of party without shouting out. Well, cause he's like the modern party guru. So, you know, he is, he is, he is. but you know, Michelangelo <laughs> also party guru. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So I, I could see those two actually kicking it somewhere out there. Absolutely. In my imagination, probably. <laughs> well, it's like also one of those things with him is, I, so I obviously have a podcast and I listen to a lot of podcasts. And one of the podcasts I listen to okay. a lot is The Nerdist. And he was a guest okay. on it ages ago. Oh, cool. And if you can ever oh. find it, check out the Andrew WK Nerdist podcast episode because he. All of that you're talking about that he does in The Village Voice, he also talks on this podcast. And just he's full of so much wisdom for a dude who wears a white T-shirt every day. You know, he, <laughs> he knows he knows a lot and, and is really actually very concerned with helping his fans, the community, you know. And it, it's really inspiring to see an artist do that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, his, uh, his empathy and, and his uh, empathetic nature that you can just you know you can tell he cares about people in a general sense he cares about humans and uh that in and of itself is inspiring um you don't see i'm not saying you don't see it too often i do see it and I, i'm blessed sure. to see friends and family around me but at the same time you 
very often don't see it um, with a lot of people. And uh, it's, I don't know, it's not frustrating, it's just disheartening, I suppose, you know? Yeah, totally. People have their own agendas, and we just focus on that, and we don't focus on anybody else or anything else, and that's not the way to be, so. Yeah. Well, that's why, like, I think I gravitated towards nerdcore hip-hop more. Like, I've always listened to rap since I was a kid, but as soon as I discovered my intro drug, which was MC Front a lot, which was a lot of people's intro drug, um, I, I, I got... I, you can relate to these people who are singing about real stuff and rapping about real stuff. And besides just the video games and the, you know, the pop culture references, you know, Schaefer, Front, Doc Awkward, a ton of people. I mean, you even have done on your records, like you rap about real stuff, too, that's affected you. And that's what I think really brings people in because you can connect and identify with that artist on a personal level. And that's important, I think, when listening to music. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Nerdcore has a camaraderie between this art, between its artists and between its fans, honestly, on, on two different levels um, that I don't feel like is, is very often matched anywhere else in any other music. Um, you know, back when, you know, you had Nerdapalooza, you have, uh, you know, Orlando Nerdfest, you got these, these big festivals, uh, even South by Southwest from this Nerdcore showcases. Um, it's, it's like a sea of family. It's not like a sea of fans. They're all disjointed from one another. Uh, one person can look across the room at another total stranger and throw a smile and they'll go over and, you know, give a dap and talk about, you know, whatever, Firefly. You know, there's a lot of shared <laughs> interest there. Um, there is a lot of just, you know, it's just that being passionate about the same things and it really brings us together. And that's kind of the beauty of Nerdcore uh, in general. And uh, I love it. I'm, I'm really glad I discovered it, it discovered me, uh, whichever you want to call it. Sure. <laughs> And um, my next question is actually how you start, how you got your start with rap. Was rap always the venue of which you wanted to do music for, or did you kind of discover that later? You know, um, when I first started wanting to do music, I probably was not looking to rap, actually. And it's funny because the first music I really enjoyed on my own was rap music. Uh, my cousin introduced me to rap music when I was about six or seven years old, um, maybe maybe a little older, maybe like seven or eight. Um, but, you know, he, he introduced me to rap music, and it was the first music that broke away from anything, you know, my mom was listening to. It just happened to be on the radio or anything like that. And it was, had this element of taboo, because I knew they were saying stuff I wasn't supposed to hear. So, of course, I loved it. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I grew up with that, and I really enjoyed it. But by, by the time I hit about 14, 15, uh, I, I was listening to a lot of rock, you know, and rock probably – Probably is about sixty forty. It kind of won out over rap. So first instrument I ever had, like most white males, I had a guitar. You know, and uh, <laughs> I learned guitar off the internet. I went to Jimi Hendrix's webpage and learned the Star Spangled Banner from Tab, and uh, continued playing guitar for for years. Um, and really enjoyed it. And so for a while there, I, I definitely was like, oh, I'm going to be a rock star. It's going to be great. Did. <laughs> um, to be honest, in the back of my head the whole time, I was like, oh, I really actually want to be a vocalist, but I just don't have the co the cojones there to say I want to be a vocalist because I don't think I can sing. Truth is, I still can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, rap kind of kind of resurfaced because I was rapping along with a lot of songs in middle school and high school, and uh, I started to have friends point out to me, like, you should, you should rap. Like, what are you doing? You should rap. And... Uh, the more that kind of sunk in my brain, the more the, the confidence came in there. I was like, yeah, that might be, I can't sing, but I could probably rap, you know, and I started writing my own lyrics and it just, it was very natural for me. It's like, I grew up on it and I loved it. 
and there it was. Here I am. So excellent. Um, the next question, which is always kind of a big question to ask artists, but I'm always curious where their influences are because sometimes it surprises you. Would, is there a specific rapper who really influenced your style and your sound or did your heavy music influences come from somewhere else? Oh man. No, uh, yeah, that is a really broad question. (laughs) Um, well, I could give you several answers, really. Like I was just saying, like some of the first uh, rap I really enjoyed was uh, West Coast. Uh, was a lot of uh, what you know my cousin played for me. I grew up really enjoying like Ice T mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but as far as directly influencing me in rap, uh, by the time I started to, to write lyrics and started to rap, I feel like um, people with an interesting voice always kind of caught my ear. Um, Del, I really you know. Deltron 3030, sure. uh, Love or Hate Del Now is a, such a classic hip-hop album. And, yeah. uh, you know, stuff like that I really gravitated hard towards. Um, I would say in the nerdcore genre, MC Frontalot has a, a very interesting inflection and voice, and that grabs me. Um, even some rappers that uh, I I can appreciate and respect, I would say I, wouldn't, I don't listen to them a whole lot, but uh, Brother Ali from Rhymesayers, he sounds like a preacher when he raps, you sure. know, <laughs> and that, that street preacher kind of, you know, sound, that infection, um, grabbed me and I liked that. So, um, you know, I would say that, that shaped a lot of the way I rap, love it or hate it. I've heard, I've heard hate, you know, um, cause I rap, it bounces around from falsetto to my normal voice and I like to play around with it. Um, and I'm still to this day, still playing around with it and nailing things down and probably always will be. Um, but you know those those uh, I would say influenced me directly as far as uh, lyrically, man. That is a really broad question. <laughs> sure. Well, it sounds like I mean just from listening to your scope of music that you're very influenced. You know, obviously by nerd culture and all the stuff that you're into. It would be a wild guess to assume that you're into video games. I'd also be cheating because we're friends on Facebook, and I know you just got a Wii U. Of course, on credit. <laughs> on credit because you know why 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 afford it now when you can try and afford it later <laughs> you got me you got still I've, I've made maybe a ten dollar payment on that thing but i've been playing it it's fun <laughs> that's awesome yeah i still haven't made that purchase yet I, I haven't gotten any of the next gen stuff i want to but it's like i have so little free time as it is with planning a wedding and working on my website and working a full-time job it's like i'll play like 10 hours of video games a week. So to buy a new console just hasn't really been worth it yet. But someday I will settle down and get one of the new ones. And the Wii U is at the top of my list because it's Nintendo. You know, Nintendo is almost always at the top of my list. Totally. Absolutely. And when you get one, add a boarded clone to your friends list. And I'm kind of intentionally throwing that out here on this podcast. Just saying, I need (laughs) friends to beat in Smash Brothers. That's all, you know. There you go. (laughs) That's like I talk a lot of trash. I'm terrible in Smash Brothers. Oh, are you? Anybody will destroy me. Yeah, yeah, I'm really bad. Well, it's funny. I talked a lot of trash to I talked talked a lot of trash to Michael Kill before I got Smash Brothers for the 3DS, and then I got it. and We played online, and he whooped my ass. So oh. I learned Man. my lesson. Although, if you, you ever know, if you ever want to piss off Tribe One, talk to him about uh-huh. Smash Brothers. Apparently, he hates Smash Brothers. We had a whole conversation oh, okay. about it when he was guest. Yeah, of course. Well, like. Because he gets scooted, and that's the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you could tell by how well Tribe Warren rap, but Tribe Warren is a perfectionist. Oh, he's, yeah. He's top dog, which is awesome because, you know, it's it's that's what gets you there. And uh, yeah. he just hasn't got there in Smash Brothers yet. I'm, 
Keep going, Tribe. You got this, son. I believe in you. <laughs> Dominate you every game. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, me, uh, and Michael, uh, me and Michael, we have uh, we had this old beef in Mortal Kombat, actually. Did he oh. No, he did not that you guys have an old beef in Mortal Kombat. Do tell. Yeah, we 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 have this old beef in Mortal Kombat. Uh, he got Mortal Kombat 9 for one of his uh, birthdays, actually. Uh-huh. And... He, you know, this is back when the Star Criminals had a live band. We we're going to band practice every week and ramping up to it. I talk so much trash to that man every band practice, and and it was all about. Uh, I play one of the, the just one of the worst characters, Night Wolf. He's oh. nobody picks Night Wolf, but nope. I pick Night Wolf. I don't know why. I don't, yeah, it's it's terrible. I know. <laughs> feel bad. But <laughs> but uh, I was I was talking so much trash to him, and Michael's guy is Raiden. And he loves Raiden. And uh, I went over to his house for his birthday party. Now, he had Mortal Kombat 9 about a week at this point. Dude, you know, he had to wait for the weekend for his party. And I go over there, finally sit down to play him. And he schools the entire band for two and a half straight hours with <laughs> Raiden. Doesn't choose another character. Just just looking at us. He's even looking at us while he's pressing the buttons and doing fatalities, you know. <laughs> It was terrible. I was so angry. I mean, if you t- if you hear the story from Michael, he'll say I threw the controller across the room and all this embellishment. I don't think I did that, but I was angry, and I bought the game <laughs> the very next day. I'm like, this cannot happen again. <laughs> nice. Well, if you guys ever come to New York on tour, we'll have to play some Mortal Kombat. I didn't know that there was an old school rivalry. Rivalry, but oh yeah, make oh, a pit stop in Brooklyn, and we'll 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 set it up. We'll make it happen. <laughs> Sounds excellent. Sounds like a good time. Um. Uh, speaking to to um, touring and everything, so I know that you guys did a quick and dirty dis- a tour in December, and you guys play a lot in in your area. Um, yeah. Do you have a plan to hit the East Coast again, or hit the West Coast even? Do you have any tour plans coming up, or are you kind of just settled in to work on some music? Me personally, I'm kind of the latter, um, but I am going to start trying to book very shortly. Um, I'm trying to finish up my next album. Uh, as much as my my failing computer over here will allow, um, started hitting some tech issues just the other day. But uh, you know, I, I really wanted to get that solid to take that on the road with me. Uh, I do know Michael Kill is is talking to Adam Warrock, and they're planning an East Coast run, and uh, they're gonna do that really soon. I'm hoping to you know kind of follow their wake not long thereafter and do kind of the same myself. So I am planning to get back up that way. Hopefully. You know, hopefully first quarter this year. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I always love when, when, when bands roll through and I get to see them, especially like thanks to the magic of the internet, I've become pretty pretty good friends with Tribe and Michael just through the internet and through Steam and through all that. And it's kind of an awesome way to link up with people you respect as artists, but also get to know them as people, which has been a blast. And and I'm stoked for them to come through again because I didn't know until after the last time they left that they were Magic the Gathering players, you know, because they oh, did that EP. That? I did not know that. And so I still got my decks from high school. They haven't really been updated yeah. much, but I still got them. <laughs> oh, man. Well, get ready because those guys are some Magic the Gathering players. I, that's, that's one thing, like, uh, all of no friends, like, those two, Eugene, they, Adam Warrock, they, uh, they love magic. Actually, I played a show in, uh, early last year. I played a show with uh, Tribe and Adam Warrock up in Baltimore, and we got there 
the night before, we sit in the hotel room the whole next day, and I watched them play about eight to nine hours of Magic, just straight up. Wow. <laughs> just playing Magic and eating pizza. And, I mean, you know, it was fun to hang out with my boys, but uh, they they love it. So, uh, And they're competitive. I'll throw that out there as well. So that, That's what I've heard. So far, I've spoken to Michael and Tribe about it, and I'm, I'm going to bring it up to Adam when I have him on later this year. But, but I've heard that they are pretty competitive, and apparently Adam was late to the game and more obsessed with it than both of them. That is absolutely true, actually. That is absolutely true. I think in the beginning, it was them tugging Adam over to the table. Like, hey, man, you should check this out. You should play this. And now it's Adam just corralling both of them back to the table any chance he can. You know, you got you to gotta play another game, man. Come on. Just play, play some more. You got this. Play one more. You got Come on. Come on. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you know. Maybe I'll learn one day. I mean, it looks like a lot of fun, but. It is I, it is I, a fun game, but I feel like it's, if it's something I had to learn now as opposed to how I learned in high school, I don't know that I would have the patience for it, honestly. But but because I know most of the rules and I had been playing for so long, it's like, nah, all right, I'll keep playing for now while I own the cards. Why not? Gotcha, gotcha. Michael bought me uh, Magic 2013 on Steam, and I did play that a little bit, you know. Um, so it gave me a little, uh, like, the, like, like the slightest glimmer of understanding of the game, um, but go. not really much. Um, so. <laughs> That's, that's my whole beginning and ending in Magic right there. Pretty is, is that one game on Steam briefly? It's that one game on Steam briefly. But uh, all the love in the world to people that play Magic, it looks like a lot of fun, and I feel like I'm missing out. Dude. Well, and now that I'm learning that you have a Steam account, means that you know shortly after this podcast, I'll have to friend you on Steam. So Absolutely. You can hook up there, too. Um, Very Surprisingly, that is the aborted clone. <laughs> the aborted clone, not uh, an aborted clone, but the the aborted the clone. aborted clone. Because there was actually an aborted clone already on Steam, which is really weird. It's the first time it's ever happened. So. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, that started happening to me in places. I thought I had a unique username most of my life, and then once I hit like Xbox Live late and Steam late, I was like, I couldn't get the name I used. I was like, well, this sucks. <laughs> so you have to add numbers on the end or put an underscore, you know, the shit you got to do. To, of course. Um, or, or the, at the beginning, you know, exactly. Whatever. So my, my next question about your music is, um, one of my favorite songs also off of uh serious face, um, okay. volume one was the Christmas song you did with Michael kill as, as the thought criminals, where did the idea to do a Christmas song like that, you know, where you guys save Christmas, is that something you guys had talked about that you wanted to do, or was it just kind of like a random, this would be fun, let's do it? It, it was definitely the random. It was not something we talked about at all. Um, we had done one Christmas song together prior, and uh, Michael made the beat for that. Um, and it was on a local uh, collaboration uh, album that was released from a local record label called uh, Mighty of the Sword Records. And we had uh, we had that one come out way prior and so i was working i was actually working on serious face uh now you know what to be honest with you it came before serious face when i, I really think about it um mm-hmm. it was a christmas eve and i just so happened to be sitting at home i, I wasn't out with family or anything and uh i was i just woke up and i didn't really have much to do so i was just browsing around a folder of instrumental beats and uh that's always been an amazing beat of course 93 to infinity and you know it just kind of struck and i wrote this verse on christmas eve and I sent it to Michael, and uh, he emailed me back and said, that's amazing, 
And then we didn't do anything with it for almost a year. Oh, wow. And it just sat around for almost a year. And uh, when I was putting together Serious Space Volume 1, I brought it back up to Michael. I was like, hey, man, you remember this song I threw over your way? Would you be interested in actually writing another Christmas song and finishing this out? And, uh, yeah, he did it. And, and man, he knocked it out of the park. It's it's one of my favorite Doc Criminal songs we've ever done. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. So we actually, on this little tour, we did it live for the first time. Oh, cool. And that was especially fun because Michael didn't know his verse until the last <laughs> show on tour. So Nice. You know, well, at least he finally got it. A for effort, right? You know, it's a trial by fire some nights. There you some go. Nights burn. Um, <laughs> if you had to pick, and I know this is this is never easy, a favorite song, but if you have a favorite couple of songs that you prefer to perform live out of your discography, uh, what would those be? The ones that maybe get you the most pumped or, you know, that you like interacting with the crowd with? For sure. Um, you know, one of my favorites is actually off those serious face mixtapes, and I kind of hate, in a way, talking about it because now I'm taking them off my band camp, and I'm never gonna, never gonna put them back. You know, but um, right. a song called "You and Me" that is a, it's kind of about Mario and Bowser again, uh, but it's kind of a little more serious with very little references, and it was just kind of talking about like the yin and the yang of uh, enemies and or, or you know adversaries basically. Sure one another you know um and i was kind of applying that to mario but i really enjoyed the beat uh which was a bun d beat and uh, i really enjoyed just the uh the rapping over it. i, I like the way it raps so i used to open almost every show i did with that song um because i liked it so much and nobody has ever came up to me before and like man i really liked that song it was just 100 percent personal me choice and uh eventually people did do that but i, I wasn't sure at that point if it's because i had drilled it down their throats as every <laughs> song or every show you know playing that song but um i like doing that one i really like uh playing um off odin's son i like playing drink Hill every day just because it's sure. a crowd favorite and uh you know when you're playing in bars a lot it's it's gonna be a crowd favorite so well also the quote that you that you coined at the beginning of that song just because i'm at guardian doesn't mean i can't be partying you know, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> just a wonderful rhyme on Asgardian. And, you know, it just, it, it adds a lightness to that song, but it's such a fun sing-alongable song. So oh, I can totally, totally get so, that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, Thor is such a, a fun guy in, in the first place. I mean, um, <laughs> easily my favorite Avenger. So male <laughs> or female, I don't care. As long as they're drinking ale, it's incredible. So. There you go. Um, we we touched on video games a little bit before. Um, as far as pastimes, when you're not touring or making music or or you know working on on rap specifically, do you have a favorite pastime? Video games, watching movies, uh, uh, you know, reading. Several. Several. Um, it's hard for me to watch TV and movies on my own. I love watching them with other people, but a lot of times um, I feel like I have an undiagnosed case of ADD, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> Because if I sit down and watch a movie long enough, I will not watch a movie. I will be doing five other things while the movie is playing in the room. Right. Usually I'll be faced the other way for the last half. Um, but I enjoy lockpicking, which has bled into my music and my stage act uh, a lot um, in the past couple of years. Uh, which Andy of Corps taught me several years ago on tour. Um, and now every time I go on tour, I take a big sack of padlocks with me. Um, just as like road games, you know, it's a lot of fun. You can still carry a conversation with somebody and look directly at them and you're occupied in the back of your brain picking a lock or you know, doing whatever. So I really enjoy lock picking. Um, I enjoy learning in general, just new things. Um, I really believe 
and getting on YouTube once a week at least and learning something you always wanted to learn that you never took the time to do. Um, that philosophy has led me into breaking out the straitjacket <laughs> at the wow. end of this year and um, just, just uh, a lot of a lot of random things, you know. Um, I want to start – I'm not bilingual at all. I would like to start picking up, like, a new language, things like that. You know, I really enjoy, uh, you know, taking my time and, and – um, trying to do stuff like that. So when I read, uh, sad to say, it's usually comic books these days. I have <laughs> just this crazy amount of comic books in my queue uh, that I'm looking at in my room right now. And I, man, it's intimidating to think it's the reason I don't read more of them at this point. So, um, and of course, there is video games. Video games is my TV because at least that way I'm still interacting with it and it can hold my attention and I really enjoy it. So, Did you have a favorite video game for 2014? Twenty, uh, um, yeah, I think the easy answer is Shovel Knight. Love sure. Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight was so good, and uh, I, you know, I grew up just loving Mega Man. Mega Man has always been one of my go-to games, um, and Shovel Knight reminded me of Mega Man a whole, whole lot. Um, they did a beautiful blend of Mega Man elements, of course, some Super Mario Three, and just a lot of platformers from that time. But, um. Man, it's there was a lot of good games in 2014. Don't get me wrong; I shouldn't be that quick to answer, but come <laughs> on, that Shovel Knight was great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've unfortunately not played it yet, but I will. I've heard great things. I know I'm a terrible gamer. I, I, I used to play a lot more. Honestly, I only play my 3DS these days because I can play that on my commute to and from work. Like mm-hmm. my home mm-hmm. consoles. By the time I get home, it's like, what time is it? Oh, it's seven o'clock. I'm gonna eat, and then I'm gonna go to bed because I feel oh, exhausted. I, I get you know, it. I do get it. And so, yeah, but totally. but. But so, like, my favorite game probably of this year is probably, well, I don't even know if it came out this year. It might have been last year. was uh, the newest Luigi's Mansion on the 3DS was okay, perfect. It was fun. It was, uh, you know, I had never, to be honest with you, I had never played a Luigi's Mansion before the 3DS. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I got on that one, I actually hated it the nice. first couple hours I put into it. I'm like, man, I do I do not get this game. It's kind of part of the problem. I don't know. Um, but after I started to get it a little more and more, I, I started to enjoy it. I just was playing it in the wrong. You know, if you're expecting Call of Duty and you jump into Luigi's Mansion, which I wasn't, but still. <laughs> right. But if <laughs> you you're know, expecting you're gonna, one you're thing and you get another, yeah. it's, it's Exactly. It's so uh, I started to get it a little more. I did like it. Cool. Um, I'll tell you what. If you've never played Shovel Knight and you play your 3DS more, you need to pick up Shovel Knight on the 3DS. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know it was um, out on the 3DS. I thought it was only on PC. It is. No, it's out It's out on the 3DS. Uh, I think you can get it from uh, the eShop for the Wii U and, and a couple other systems as well. But uh, cool. Shovel Knight is one of those games. This has happened with a few games. I've actually bought that game three different times because I bought it on Steam. Uh-huh. I bought it on a friend's Steam, and I bought it on my 3DS. And uh-huh. it is better on 3DS than on any other. It might be good on Wii U as well. Um but they really implement the touch screen. So it's kind of like playing Mega Man, but you could just switch to your different weapons by hitting the touch screen right below your actual screen, never right. having to pause. It's very fluid. It's amazing. Best way to play it. So. All right. I'll have to, on, on your recommendation, I'll have to pick up um, Shovel Knight on my 3DS. I'll have to now also not only send you my Steam name, but I'll have to send you my 3DS friend be boys on 3ds as well obviously all kinds of video game networking going on i like there you go um that's important to me to network with you know to to totally for professional reasons it's not you know just 
keep us appearing. Who the fuck am I kidding? So we can play games later. Come on now. Um, of course. Yeah, of course. But um, so um, have you always been in, in the area you're living? So you live in, in North Carolina, right? Yes, I do. And so have you always been there? Is that where you grew up? Um, yeah, for the most part, it is where I grew up. I kind of bounced all over different sides of North Carolina when I was a little younger. Uh, I was actually born in Kentucky, um, but my parents lived there about six months. So other than the claim of saying I was born in Kentucky, it has nothing to do with me. Uh, <laughs> I lived, lived in North Carolina ever since then, and uh, mainly in Charlotte. There was about a five-year period where I moved to the coast of North Carolina and lived kind of on the southern end of the Outer Banks, a little lower than that. Um, but yeah, I I like North Carolina all right. I would like to explore a little bit. Um, but I've been here my whole life so far. And uh is there it sounds like there's a pretty decent music scene. Just between what I see you and Phil Post, you guys seem to do shows so all over in the area. Um does it have a, a a big music scene for all kinds of music or just certain kinds of music? Um it definitely it definitely ranges in a very eclectic uh you know, a range of different sound, which is kind of beautiful. Uh, so I might hear from people um, when they come in here and they play like a big uh, cross-genre show is they say, man, other places don't do this where we have a rap act and then a hardcore act and then maybe a folk act. And uh, they're really surprised by something that is kind of commonplace to some of us here in Charlotte. Um, and that's kind of, uh, that's kind of how it, how it goes. Uh, in terms of, we do have a, a very talented music scene, and uh, we have a very uh, diverse music scene, and uh, there's a lot of love between the genres, and even the fans that come out to see, you know, perhaps uh, one folk artist will go to a rap show the next night, um, and they're not so pigeonholed into only wanting to listen to that either, uh, which is very refreshing. It's very nice. I really enjoy that. Um, you know, I, I would say... Uh, as far as fans, you know, we, there are a lot of music fans that exist in Charlotte. I would say as many fans uh, in the audience, uh, there's probably just as many artists. And it, it really, there's a lot of artist support uh, all across the board in Charlotte, which is beautiful. Um, you know, some of my favorite people are, are in folk groups, and they'll come out to see me rap when I rap and really enjoy it, and vice versa. Um and I like that a lot. Um, it keeps everything really fresh, I feel like. And, you know, nothing ever really is boring that way. So, Well, I feel like also with music, if you just only like one kind of music, then you're pigeonholing yourself to not really ex experience, especially if you're an artist. Like, you can't just be in your genre. You need to be in other genres because that's how some of the best fusions happen when you pull from other places. Absolutely. I cannot agree with that enough. I mean, if you just... You keep going to the same sources and the same same areas the whole time, you know, in your brain and, and music and sounds. Uh, it's going to get stagnant. And it's going to get stagnant fast, and it's not going to be something I want to listen to probably. So I really enjoy that. I enjoy uh, – there's a lot of uh, ideas that bounce around between artists in Charlotte from all genres, and uh, I really like seeing that. So. That's very cool. Um, going going back to you for a bit and your new record that you're going to be working on, do you have a projected release date? Do you have any idea when it's going to come out? I have a, a projected area of release. Uh, definitely, I want to shoot for the first quarter uh, of this year. Cool. Um, there's a chance that, you know, it might come a little later 
I was looking at April, and uh, it's funny. I just had a conversation with Michael tonight about release dates, and I'm not trying to step on toes. I didn't know, you know, we're we're both kind of looking around the same areas, in other words. So sure, you know, it might shuffle up a little. Um, but uh, I, you know, I took on. I don't want to say more than I could chew because I'm chewing <laughs> through it just fine. But I took on a, a lot more of a grandiose idea and project um, towards the tail end of last year with this album than I expected it to be. And so I kind of um, set it back a little bit. Not only set it back is in terms of uh, stopped working on it, but in terms of, okay, I'm trying to push to get this released. It became more of, I'm going to push to refine these songs and to work on this uh, while I'm working on uh, some other areas. And part of that is I am in process of writing a comic um, that a friend of mine, uh, Ryan Paul Hardison, who does an online comic called Slackmatic, mm-hmm. uh, illustrate. And uh, the idea kind of was born from some of these music videos I've made for Ninja Turtles stuff, uh, both for this last mixtape. And then I did one a year and a half maybe before that uh, for a song called Serious Face uh, that was related to Ninja Turtles as well. Sure. Right, the, you know, still comic book panels, and I, I did video motion over those to create somewhat of an animated effect to them, you know, and just follow the song. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, why don't I get original artwork? and do that over one of my songs. And so it's all original, it's all me, uh, but it's the same kind of thought. And uh, I got really excited by that, and that idea kind of snowballed into, well, if we're going to do this, why don't we patch out a comic? Um, so I'm working on a comic to go alongside the album, and the two are mildly related to one another. They're related in a way of, you know, the album might be playing the soundtrack in the background of the comic, but other than that, uh, they're not, you know, the song doesn't tie in directly to what happens in the comic, nor does the comic actually tell anything about the music necessarily. Um, but I'm really excited about it. I'm using the comic art for the album art. Um, and, you know, the whole project is called Rebirth, and it's a play on email replies, actually. It's R-E colon space birth. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, kind of there, there's like a, a meaning behind that in the way that as many albums as I've released, I don't feel like I ever released my first rap album. Right. And I'm going to go back now and release my first rap album. And that's what this is going to be. So I'm really excited about it. It's going to be good. That sounds awesome. I mean, you, the thing about also that I love with a lot of nerd artists that I've noticed is it, the genre really allows you to play with the medium. And like this mm-hmm. idea of releasing a comic side by side with a, an album that are tangentially related but can still exist on their own is kind of a really brilliant idea because you give an overarching narrative that can be there, yet they can still exist on their own. Totally. Um, one thing I really wanted to avoid with this album was a narrative or a theme or a concept because, you know, that's kind of what I've done. And in a way, that's why I'm releasing uh, an album called Rebirth <laughs> that is, is, you know, in my head, my first rap album because I don't think I ever did that. Um, way back when me and Michael killed the Entropy and we first brought up that idea, you know, originally that was an idea for an EP for me um, and it kind of just grew as we worked on it. Um, but I really wanted to just do a short story, you know, about um, the world kind of going to hell in a handbasket from nuclear radiation and, uh, you know, and, and kind of about, you know, one person's uh, deterioration through that. And that's what uh, what Entropy was. But as an introductory, as like a first album, it's probably not the way you want to announce yourself to the world. And it, <laughs> it wasn't ever intended to be, but it did happen to be my first solo album that came out. Um, so. <laughs> 
you know, thinking about things like that. And then uh, I did the Divine Gamble with Cecil Nick, and it wasn't conceptual in the same way, but it was very thematic. Every song related to the same kind of patchwork, the same kind of things. And um, it's it, a lot of it is mainly just because of the music itself. You know, I heard Cecil Nick speaking very deep to me. And so I, I, it's hard for me. Like, I wrote one song over his beats about space balls, and I felt guilty about it because I'm like, this beat is a little, you know, <laughs> a little too deep for space balls, but I'm going to go with it. Right. Um, you know, and, and that's where a lot of that comes from. But um, this next is going to be a nice blend where one song might not relate to the next song and except for the fact that they're both songs, you know, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that and have a lot of fun with it. So. I find that, I mean, that sounds amazing. And what I really like about that is it, it makes what I do as a podcaster, because besides the interview show that I've been doing for, for about a half a year now, I've also mm -hmm. have a main show that I do weekly with two co-hosts where we review an album every week. And, um, what happens when you re review a lot of records is eventually theme and arc kind of blend together. There's some kind of narrative or story, but when the yeah. theme, the theme and arc are more musical and less, here's a story and more, well, the theme work is in how these beats are connected, how, what the through line of the sound is. That's a lot more fun to kind of dig up and figure out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like, um, Rappers that are just rappers and they're not a musician on any level tend to lose that sometimes, you know, um, especially a, a rapper more like myself, which I, I like, you know, this goes back to talking about influences and writing, but, you know, I like Michael's writing style, whereas he is more, uh, I would say, not necessarily vague, but you can take his lyrics and you can apply them to several different things. He's not very direct. I find I'm more direct with a lot of lyrics and just, state things very plainly like here's a here's b this is red this is blue and just you know um and i you know i i try to get away from that but my natural writing style that's what's gonna come out from uh foremost uh and i feel like rappers uh on the music side of things they hear themselves they hear the voice and they don't really think about those things in the music as much but the music that's the backbone. That's the whole point of it. That's it's music after all. Uh, so it's all about the sound and the voice is just an instrument therein. Um, so you want to make it relevant. You want to make the forefront, but at the same time, you want the music to really carry it because that's what it is. It's music. So. Yeah. Well, well said, Sulfur. Well said. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm just a bowel here. I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> I cannot. Unfortunately, in an audio medium, they cannot. But we do physical gags on our podcast all the time, mostly because it pisses off one of my co-hosts because the audience can't see it. <laughs> but, you know, hey. Um, nice. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it just it, it, it's great that you're it, it's always fun to get inside the head of an artist as far as figuring out how their process works. Um, and the next thing I wanted to ask you was, so we're talking about the new record and you're obviously currently working on it. When you put together a song for a record, any record, do you start with a lyric with a set of lyrics and then kind of find a beat that fits? Do you make the beat first and then create the lyrics or does it kind of go either way? You know, uh, it actually goes either way, and uh, I'll tell you how. Uh, sometimes I'll sit down with no beat, and I'll have an idea, and I just start writing. Um, it could happen in the car. I'm really notorious for swerving all over the road and using voice to text on a little messenger thing because I have an idea that I can't lose. It is it is better to put your <laughs> the, the fellow motorists in peril <laughs> than it is to lose that lyric, which is horribly wrong. I'm, yeah, it's a bad joke. But... Uh, 
usually what happens is I sit down with a beat and I let that beat take me somewhere. And usually it's the beat itself or the music itself that shapes what song I write. Um, I hear certain things in my head alongside instrumentals once I listen to them long enough. Um, we talked about uh, the the Christmas song, for instance, that I did over 93 to Infinity. Um, now I've heard 93 to Infinity is a, is a song by Souls of Mischief a million times. Um, so why I heard Christmas over it that morning, it was probably because it was Christmas Eve, I suppose. But I was like, man, this is... This is perfect Christmas music. Like this is this is the kind of Christmas music I want to hear in malls instead of the shit that I actually normally hear. Right. Um, <laughs> so uh, and and that's how it hit me, and that's how a lot of my songs kind of go. That's why uh, the Divine Gamble was such a conceptual album, mysterious, and that's where it came from. Was these beats from Cecil Nick? That's what they were telling me. And I was like, oh, I need to write this over it. So. 80% of the time or more, that's what happens. And then there's that occasion where I just set out to write a song. Um, but the problem I encounter when I do that is finding the right beat for that song. Right. And, you know, it's always tough. So, Have you ever written a whole set of lyrics and then not been able to find a beat for it and had to put the lyrics on hold? All the time. All the time. <laughs> I mean, I've, got, I've got entire songs just... just thrown in Google Drive or wherever, you know, notepad, endless notepad files, endless, you know, uh, files on my computer. I still write in composition books occasionally, but, uh, I, you know, I shine more and more from actually writing lyrics because when I write lyrics out, I can't read my own writing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it just gets really frustrating when it comes to rapping it. Uh, you can, anytime I write lyrics over it, kills house. It is on a composition book and we have to do at least two or three re-records because I can't read my own writing. So, uh, <laughs> nice. But yeah, to answer your question, yes, absolutely. I've got a ton of songs that just need beats. So, but I mean, that must be fun also. Like uh, if you've been struggling over a song for a while and you can't find the right beat and then you just hear something and it clicks, you know, that, that oh, moment of like perfect conception that that must always be a blast and exciting to come across. Yes, absolutely. I can tell you it doesn't happen often, but when it does, it is beautiful. <laughs> um, do you have any uh, uh, big guest features lined up for, for this record? It's going to mostly just be you. I mean, I imagine Mr. Kill will make an appearance somewhere. That's a safe bet, I figure. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Kill will definitely make an appearance. He's also going to be making some of the beats uh, that might come as a huge shock to some of y'all, I know. Um, oh, yeah. He never but, uh, makes beats. What's that about? I, I know, I know. That, that guy. You're going to try this out, you know, give, give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll give it the old college try, see where it takes him. The thing about, um, the thing yeah, about yeah. Michael Kill that I just have to express is that I come across some of his songs and I get so angry that it works so well sometimes because I just, I never imagined it. Like, so DuckTales is one of my favorite Nintendo games of all time. And I sure, I'm sure oh, you know right. where this is going. Uh, when, I do. when I first heard The Moon... And he was like, and he, he sampled, and that, that beat work and the lyrics, and it's just like, he makes it a song about self-achievement. He, he makes a joke about sampling the Beatles and, and makes a great yeah. song with the DuckTales music. I'm just like, fuck you. Where did this come from? Like, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's, man, that's, that is his ish. I have heard him talk about that on stage, and it looks like he's about to get a tear in his eye. I mean, <laughs> it's some serious stuff to kill. And, uh, you know, like that—that that, he's great. Um, that song is great. 
I want to say Vince Vandal did that beat. I it think he wrong. did, yeah. No, you might be right that he didn't actually make that beat, but still, it's just this concept and these ideas. And that's what I love about, like, with, with Serious Face Volume 2, it's uh, it's such a different record from even the first series face because your style and and what you're throwing into the music like there's an, an evolution as you continue and it, I I like listening to an artist and going through his discography and hearing oh he's gotten he's gotten better at this or he knows has a better handle on that or he's really working this it, it's it's awesome to kind of go on that adventure um, okay. you know I mean I pretty much I discovered you through. I've off, of course heard you through a, a few of Kill's records sampled, but on the newest record that he released, um, 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 the Snuggle is real. The, the song you do with him on there, I was like, oh, this guy Sulphur. I've been hearing him everywhere. I got to go find his shit. And then when I when I found out that you did a Thor album, I'm like, all right, I'm sold. I'm done. I don't I don't care what else he's done. It doesn't matter. He did a Thor album. I got to hear it. And like went down the wor- wormhole after that, you know. Um, um, but it's just it's 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 incredible to get to talk to talented artists who clearly enjoy what they do, and ultimately at the end of the day, they have this passion. Like listening to you talk about your new record and how much it really means to you in this comic tie-in and and all of this stuff. It's 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 inspiring to me as someone who just likes to listen to it and review and interview. It just it cool. takes to that next level, you know. Well, excellent, man. I'm glad to hear that. That uh that makes me feel good and more pumped to go back in there and deal with this computer crash and while I record it some more. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Sulfur, this has been awesome. And I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Um, the interview should be up. So I've got an episode I did with MC Lars that's coming out this coming Tuesday. So okay. after the two weeks after that, this episode will go yeah. up. Excellent. Excellent. I'm excited. Lars is a nice dude. Is he not? Oh my God, was the nicest dude. I hung around for like an hour after his show and we recorded in his van. It's one of the first live interviews I'd done for the show. And he was just like, he kept thanking me for sticking around and he was so humble and we chatted for a half hour, even after he'd been performing all night. It was, it's just, he's a really cool dude. I really enjoy him. And if he comes to your neck of the woods and you get to see him, his shows are fantastic. He knows how to get the crowds going. Oh, I know. I, I played uh, I played one show with Lars uh, ways back, and I got to jump on uh, a song when uh, Eugene was touring with, uh, or Adam Warrock was touring with MC Chris, and uh, Lars was on that tour as well. But man, I every anytime I, I've ran into Lars, I mean, he's he's always smiling, he's always nice, he's always happy. I can't think of a nicer guy. Like <laughs> he's yeah. perhaps a nice guy. So. He is he is Raph's nice guy. And like he's emailed me several times going, I'm stoked about the interview. Can't wait for it to go up. You know, he's, he's, he's a good dude. So I'm excited to get that one out to the Internet because he, uh, awesome. he he was a lot of fun to chat with. But but this was awesome, man. And next time when you're in New York and Brooklyn, definitely look me up. I got an apartment. We got a sold out couch. If you need a place to crash, we'll play some games. Seriously, like next time you go, guys roll through, hook up with me and I'd love to chat again in person maybe sometime. That's very cool, man. I look forward to it. We'll play some Mortal Kombat and hate each other by the end of the night. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Sulfur, this has been a pleasure, and um, I will send you the episode when it goes live on the site, and definitely keep me posted on the new records progress. I'd love to hear about it. You can bet I will. I'll talk to you soon, Matt. You take care of yourself. You you take care. Adios. All right. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. 
You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.